Hi, this is Filthy Monkey Man Tony DeBono, and I never listen to I Doll It With Dowdemore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show. This is episode 168 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, angry at things we won't talk about, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. I am here. <laughs> and I'm not angry. You're not angry. No. You're you're bothered. <laughs> you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. because of where you sit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my nose is uncomfortable. Let's give everybody a little hint. A little hintsky. Yeah. Well... Before we get started, I would like to, once again, as I probably will until Thanksgiving, promote the fact that we are doing a Thanksgiving episode, a profanity-free, negativity-free episode on American Thanksgiving, which is November 26th. As part of the episode, I am taking submissions from the audience of things for which they are thankful. We've gotten a few... Some are funny, some are heartfelt. We're going to try to fit them all into one compilation that will be kind of uplifting, like it was last year. If you would like to hear an example of last year, go to YouTube, the Dollamore YouTube channel, and you could listen to what we did last year to give you an idea. We really would like these. So 657-464-7609 or better yet, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. But do not wait. Get it done because time is of the essence and I am lazy and I have to put this together. And production time, it it's quite a bit. So I don't want to have to wait until the day before the Thanksgiving episode to compile all of the different submissions. Please help us out. The other thing, if you are a new listener to the show, or for that matter, an old listener who hasn't done this for us, why don't you also use those same methods of communication, 657-464-7609, or email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtedatdollamore.com to send in a an opening promo for the show. You say who you are, where you're from, and something about how you never listen to this stupid show. Anyway, that would be awesome and helpful. That was a long me running my mouth with no Brittany Page. Okay, well, it's because I'm still over here suffering. and You're not suffering. I'm suffering a little bit. What can I tell you? From a stink. That's another hint. <laughs> are you going to be peppering the audience with hints about the fact that you are acting like a complete wussy about the faint odor of poop because your seat is nearest the bathroom door. I'm not being a wussy, by the way. What What is going on with the use of the word wussy? I don't know. I didn't say wuss. I said being a wuss. Oh, I thought you said wussy. No. 
Why would I say wussy? What am I, fucking first grade? I'm, I'm so confused. Why do I keep hearing things that aren't being said? Well, you're smelling things that aren't being no, smelled. No, I'm definitely smelling stuff that's there. And it's anyway, poop. listen, I want to talk about something that I find disturbing. We cut the cord for cable several months ago. Mm-hmm. We haven't had our cable provider. We have Sling we have Sling TV and we have Hulu and, and Netflix and whatever. And then we also bought a digital antenna. Anyway, when we watch Hulu, everyone should know, at least everyone in the United States should know, that California is in a record drought right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, there's a commercial running on Hulu for Shock Top Beer. Yes. I, I think it probably liberally can be considered a beer. It's gross. I would never drink it. But anyway. Isn't, isn't it the one with the orange in it? Well, it's supposed to have some. No, that's like Blue Moon. Oh. Blue Moon is at least drinkable. Okay. Shock Top is just. Is there something to do with an orange? Why am I, I thinking of an no, orange? It does when have I think an orange it. on okay. the label. Okay. But Shock Top kind of tastes like what the bathroom smells like right now. <laughs> so you're admitting there's a poop smell in the air. No, what you think the oh, bathroom smells okay. like All right, 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 right. So anyway, they're running this commercial on Hulu. And I listen, I'm no advertiser, but I think I understand what would be good advertising. Yeah, because you are a person after all. Well, I'm a person, but I've also been in sales and mm-hmm. marketing for many years mm-hmm. in my prior life. Mm-hmm. And... This just doesn't seem like good advertising. As a beer brewed in California, Shock Top knows there are easier ways to save water. Go to shockthedrought.com to learn smarter water-saving ideas. So what you heard there was a gentleman running along the beach with a headband on. Uh-huh. And he gets down as if to tie his shoe he takes off the headband. Oh God! And he squeezes the sweat into a container. He rings his headband. Yeah, and then drinks it. Uh, stop. Th- th- thus saving water. So what I want to ask the advertising company in charge of this is what fucking bright idea they had. Who thought uh, that the site, because this is a, a video, the site of someone drinking wringing out their their flop sweat into a container and drinking it while Shock Top beer label and logo is on the screen, why would they want to associate their beer with the taste of rancid sweat? Uh, it, it seems like a backfiring bullshit camp. I would, I mean, I'm not a giant fan of Shock Top in the first place, if I haven't made that evident, but... I certainly wouldn't be after watching someone associate their brand, their label, their logo with the taste of terrible sweat. Yeah, the commercial makes me gag. <laughs> right. I mean, it is it's horrific to watch. So I don't know I don't know what they were thinking. It's on all the time. I see it right. every time I watch Hulu as well. So they they have it everywhere. They are throwing it in our faces. <laughs> Well, it's I'm assuming it's only in California because they're talking. Why would they run a, a commercial for the California drought mm-hmm. in Illinois? Right. It wouldn't make any sense. Right. So I don't know. Maybe it's just obviously it's a regional targeted marketing campaign. But it just seems to me that, goddamn, they misfired on this one.
Yeah, gross. gross. To- totally, totally gross. Also, we didn't mean to do that. What, the the simultaneous gross? Yeah. Yeah, like we're six-year-old twins or something? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's get to a little listener communication before we move on. We got a voicemail about me playing the Hillary Clinton video in which she talked about being pro-marriage, traditional marriage, and that marriage was a, between a man and a woman and that it represented the raising of children and the socializing of children. And we had a caller who disagrees. Hello there, Jesse. Hello there, Brittany. This is Jeremy from Kansas. Just wanted to chime in on this whole Hillary speech that she did back in 2004. I, I, I don't hold her in such high disregard for changing her mind on a topic. Um, Jesse, you had said at one point that, uh, well, what new information does she have? Perhaps she has no new information. Perhaps it's just the fact that she's had some time to consider the information that she had and has realized the error in her ways. If you look at polling from back then, going from, you know, what America thinks back then to what they think now, I don't have them right in front of me, but I do believe that the numbers have gone up in favor of gay marriage. Obviously they have because, you know, (laughs) now they have the right to do it. Um... So I, I don't really hold it against her that she changed her mind. And I, I, maybe the, the reason why I don't hold it against her is because I did. I changed my mind. I used to think that. And there hasn't been any new information. I was a theater guy. I was surrounded by gay friends. And for some reason, I still thought, well, marriage, it's always been one man and one woman. I mean, I think that's the way our forefathers and blah, blah, blah. I, I didn't have a good reason. And, you know... 13, 14 years ago, I think, well, gosh, I'm getting old, but 20 years ago, 15 years ago when I was in high school, I was a hardcore Christian, and obviously I thought that, you know, I thought it was wrong to be gay. I went away to college, became friends with a bunch of gay people, and realized, holy cow, they're better than me. But, I don't know, I, I changed my mind, I think she changed her mind, I don't think it's a big issue to change your mind. Okay, perhaps... Back in 2004 when she made the speech, it was uh, political, and if that's the case, I, I don't like it. But everybody does that. Every politician that's worth a damn, unfortunately, has made a political decision like that. Now she's come to her senses, and she's, you know, she's on the right side, I think. And I guarantee she's not going to be for repealing it. So, I don't know. As a Democrat, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I don't think it's an issue, in my opinion, uh, that that uh, that bears any uh, any debate for cert for certain. I mean, yeah, she said something like that back then. But if you look back at, uh, I mean, even even slavery, a lot of people like to compare the the rights of of uh, of our homosexual friends to to slavery, um, just the way they were treated, the way the laws were were uh, uh, were passed, and everything. I, I would have to think that there were certain senators, you know, within a ten year span. Back then, who you know came to came to their senses and said, you know what, eh, eh, these are people too, you know. I mean, a ten-year period is, is a pretty good uh, length of time. So I don't know, I don't know. I just appreciate you guys giving us the opportunity to move the conversation forward. That's all I got. Bye. If I could turn this damn thing off. Bye. <laughs> Well, I'm glad he figured it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple things, Jeremy from Kansas. Kansas. 
one is that for you to say that Hillary Clinton, having changed her mind within the last 10 years, is akin to you having changed your mind since you were in high school. You were a child in high school. She changed her mind after the age of 58. She's 58 years old and decided, oh, I've all of a sudden come around on gay marriage. Listen, the fact that you you are a self-described Democrat, that you're aligning yourself with party affiliation, it really points to me that you're really not thinking clearly about this because she's clearly pandering. This is... This is politics for sure, because there has been no new information. She's just deciding that it's more politically expedient, which, like I said, she's either a coward or a liar. Well, and here's the thing. In 2004, Gallup did a poll like they like they always do. I think almost every year they kind of ask this question. Do you think marriages between same-sex couples should or should not be recognized by the law as valid with the same rights as traditional marriages? And in 2004... 42% of Americans said, yes, they should be recognized. Right. Now, that's not the majority, but 42% is quite a bit. Sure. And Hillary Clinton was still saying no dice. Right. Not only no dice, but she was saying that the reason is, is for the same reasons that Huckabee is saying. So these, uh, conserv- these, these liberals who are up in arms about men like, like, Hill, uh, like, uh, like Huckabee and Santorum saying these awful things about the socializing of children, and that, insinuating that two gay men or two gay women cannot properly socialize a child. If you are outraged by that from Huckabee's mouth or Santorum's mouth, you should be equally outraged by it coming out of Hillary Clinton's mouth, even if it was 10 years ago. I also want to say, so Gallup used to, they still ask this question, do you approve or disapprove of marriage between blacks and whites? Because as of 2013, the number was 87%. It's still not at 100%. Right. But in 1995, it was 48%. Right. Approved of that marriage. So let's say that Hillary Clinton in 1995 didn't approve of interracial marriage. But now she does. Wouldn't that be a little difficult to take? Right. Well, you wouldn't say, well, at least at least now she's on the right side. Right. Because You'd well, still be like, what the fuck was wrong with you? Right. It, it would make <laughs> sense to say, well, well, the majority wasn't okay with that in 1995. We've all changed our minds and now we've all realized that interracial right. marriage is okay. Well, here's the other thing is it shouldn't matter what polling says. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Civil rights and human rights are what they are, whether or not the majority believes so. Here's the other thing, and then we'll move on. It's, listen, Jeremy, I was in the same boat as you. I grew up a fundamentalist, dancing Christian in a church where everybody was blabbing on in tongues, habada, habada, habada. I was in that kind of environment. I did believe. I made the argument that what's next if we if we say that it's okay for men to have sex with one another? Are you going to have sex with your dog? I said those kind of asinine things. But I was a fucking child. One more thing, and then we'll go. And this is, it's this. To compare yourself to Hillary Clinton 
and that you changed your mind, so how can you hold it against her? You're not running for president. I'm not running for president. I expect my presidential candidates to be better. Like Penn Jillette says, the best among us. Right. So. To have more knowledge than us. Absolutely. To have a, a better understanding of how things work. Right. To not change your mind willy-nilly at the ripe old age of 58 years old. But I do get where Jeremy's coming from because last time we talked about this, I was coming to Hillary Clinton's defense more so than I am now. And I don't know what's changed uh, before we talked about it last time. I think time. it's me. No, <laughs> no. Before we talked about it last time, I was the one that brought this up so that we would talk about it again on the show because I heard this clip. Yeah. Of her saying that it's the best for kids and all this to make them Down grow up through, to be through, social through the mists of history, right? And all and, that and I was hearing this this speech, and I was I said I don't think I've heard this before. This is very disturbing, and we, so we talked about it on the show. So something was different about me hearing it that time. Yeah, I don't know. And I I was clinging to well, I'm going to defend her because, you know, she's on the left and she has to be, you know, she just she's doing the right thing now, it's okay. But I'm having a I'm having a harder time letting go of the fact that she said those things just 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. I listen, I'm I'm certainly in your camp with that. So, thanks for the voicemail. As always, we appreciate all listener feedback. It is truly what moves the conversation forward, so we are into it. 657-464-7609. The other piece of communication we got from a listener this week was via email. Hey guys, I'm writing this with show number 167 paused, so I apologize if you later say something to invalidate this. Spoiler, we did not. <laughs> You mentioned Larry Lizig getting 1% in the polls in Iowa, but you didn't seem to be very familiar with who he is or what he stands for. I recommend that you change that quickly. Not because he's likely to win, he isn't, but because his platform is unique and important. It's about changing the conversation. The core of his campaign is that there is no moving forward on any issue, regardless of your political leanings, without fixing campaign finance. This is a message that certainly resonated with some, as we've seen with people who like Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders due to their I'm not bought and paid for messages. Even if you think Larry Lezig's candidacy is a joke, I think it's worth taking the time to talk about what he's trying to do. He's more than just a guy running for office with little name recognition like Lincoln Chafee or any of the B team on the Republican side. His Wikipedia page is probably a good place to start, but I'll include some additional links in case you are interested. Thanks, and Brittany is the best part. Marcus. <laughs> Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I do know a little bit about him, and very, very little about Larry Lessig. He is, he's a Harvard professor, and he, I, listen, I am on board with campaign finance reform. The problem is, and I'm sure everybody's heard the adage before that, you know, it's like having the, the, the fox in charge of the hen house. Something very earth shattering is going to have to happen. And I believe it's going to have to be at the judiciary level because you're not going to get a majority of congressmen and senators to change the way that they raise money and campaign. It's just not going to happen. Something needs, we need some kind of 
of ideological revolution in this country surrounding campaign finance reform because they're not going to change it. Mm-hmm. And until the, the there's a swing in the court ideologically, the Supreme Court, to overturn Citizens United, we're not going to see a change. And I do have a problem with the way we do it right now because people use that it's a free speech argument. And while I believe there is some credence to that argument, it's if you have a billion dollars and you want to you want to pour hundreds of millions of dollars into the campaign, you have more speech effectively than me. And if we all have the same right of free speech, Someone shouldn't have more speech than me just because they have more money. Do you want me to read a little bit about him like Marcus is directing us to do? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I, I don't think it really matters because he is at 1% in the polls and he's really not a force to reckon with. He, he, I, I do believe he should have a, a, a voice on stage as a, as a candidate. I think I've said that before. Because he is reg- registering at one percent, and this is a this is a, a Democratic Party problem. This isn't an electoral electoral problem. This is a this is a Debbie Wasserman Schultz, chairman of the Democratic National Committee. It's a her problem. This is internal bullshit going on in the Democrat Party, and they're trying to silence outside voices. And the problem is, he's at one percent. He's registering. He should have a spot. At one of those podiums. But Marcus told us to <laughs> change the fact that we don't know about him. Right. So let's read a little bit about him. Right. This is this is from his website. These are some of his priorities. The plan is what it's called. Equal right to vote is first. All citizens deserve equal access to the ballot. The Citizen Equality Act will guarantee the equal freedom to vote by passing the Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2015 and the Voter Empowerment Act of 2015. In addition, we will enact automatic voter registration and turn Election Day into a national holiday. So automatic registration for everybody Mm -hmm. and turning Election Day into a national holiday so that everyone has the opportunity to vote thoughts i don't have a problem with uh i don't have a problem making a national holiday that's okay there's plenty of holidays we could cut and then give credence to election day like veterans day sure i'm making a joke i don't have a problem with that whatever because veterans day is coming up and we have to uh make sure that you give a shout out to jesse d (laughs) who was a marine everybody we we don't have to make sure that we give a shout out to jesse d (laughs) we don't have to do that okay second on the list of the plan from larry lezig Equal representation. All citizens deserve equal representation in Congress. The Citizen Equality Act will give each voter as close to equal political influence as possible by redrawing districts and restructuring election systems. It will use Fair Votes, Ranked Choice Voting Act, to end political gerrymandering and create multi-member districts with Ranked Choice Voting for Congress. Hmm. I'd have to look more into that. I don't exactly know what that means. I do think that there needs to be a better way. And look, I'm not going to go a point by point. We're not going to do this where we go point by point on his platform. But uh, look, needless to say, things need. there are some things that need to be changed. And he probably has some good ideas. He's clearly not a dummy. He's a Harvard professor. So if you want to check him out, we will put some links. 
that were provided to us by Marcus on the Facebook page, and I would encourage you to go check it out because the guy clearly has some good ideas. So thank you, Marcus. We appreciate the email. As always, we appreciate all of our listeners communicating, even when it's when they're, when they're at the end of their rope and having to finally say something because I can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> Marcus provided us with a link of his TED Talk, so we'll go ahead and be posting that to the Facebook page. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also, Marcus is our newest patron. Oh, that's right. Yes. On Patreon. On Patreon. Thank you, Marcus, for your giving and your generous heart. We definitely, definitely appreciate it. All right, a little follow-up before we move on. Let's talk a little bit about this cop in South Carolina, Ben Fields, that we talked about last time. Some new details have been released about the child that he threw around the room and violently handcuffed. Attorney Todd Rutherford said Wednesday that the girl went to the hospital Monday night and has a cast on her arm and has complained of neck, back, and psychological injuries. In an interview with the New York Daily News, Todd Rutherford also said that the student is a recent orphan who lost her mother and is currently living in a foster home. Oh, my God. So shocking that a student who was acting out is going through something very difficult and instead of responding in a compassionate way, instead of following through on his oath to serve and protect, he did, he damaged instead Mm -hmm. because this child is in a vulnerable spot emotionally and just in life. And what happens immediately, she gets taught not to trust adults. And she's probably not in a great situation. I know I'm stab in the dark, just making, you know, blanket assertions or speculating. But I think everybody knows that foster care is not the ideal situation for a kid. So she's, she's acting out. And rather than, like you said, do the compassionate thing, he did the opposite. Well, and what's what's weird to me is I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people defending this officer and saying that, you know, she flipped this desk over on herself. <laughs> Jesus Like Christ. she's like a CrossFit ninja or something. Right. Like she has the superhuman strength to be sitting in the desk and then like flip it on top of herself. God damn. And people have been defending the officer's actions and... It's just very disturbing because as a kid who used to act out and challenge authority, I understand what a difference it can make when an adult steps in and is compassionate and, like you said, teaches you that you can trust adults, shows you that the world is different, that not every adult who comes near you is trying to harm you. And instead of coming to this girl who just lost her mother was just placed in foster care, is going through this very traumatic transitional period. Chaos. Um, he comes in and he shows her, He shows her, hey, I'm another adult that's going to hurt you, that you can't trust, and you're going to have to continue to view the world in this way. Right, and you're going to have to just you know, lay down and take it. Yeah. Whatever I do to you, you can't fight back, you can't defend yourself, I'm in control, I'm an adult, I'm in power, 
you are helpless. And I don't think people understand. I don't think police officers, yeah, some of them, sure, don't a lot of them don't understand the impact that they can have on the quote unquote troubled youth of the world. Yeah, which is you have the ability to change how these kids view the world and the adults in it. You have that ability. And every time you choose to behave in a violent way like this against a nonviolent teenager, you're showing them that they can't trust people, that they need to act in the world in a certain way. And it's not good. Yeah. The other thing that's been bothering me lately, and I don't know why I let fucking Facebook comments get to me so much, but it's all this chatter about how, well, what that kid needs is a little ass kicking. She needs... Her mom or her parents should have kicked her ass. Then everything would have been okay. And I was talking to Brett number one about this. And he reminded me of a comedy bit that Louis C.K. did on the very subject of hitting children and how fucking illogical it is that they're the only ones it's okay to hit. I really think it's crazy that we hit our kids. It really is. Here's the crazy part about it. Kids are the only people in the world that you're allowed to hit. Do you realize that? They're the most vulnerable and they're the most destroyed by by being hit. But it's totally okay to hit them. And they're the only ones. If you hit a dog, they fucking will put you in jail for that shit. You can't hit a person unless you can prove that they were trying to kill you. But a little tiny person with a head this big who trusts you implicitly, fuck them. Who gives a shit? Let's fucking hit. Let's all hit them. Hey, your people want you to hit your kid. If your kid's making noise about like, hit him, hit him, hit him. That's what we're proud of it. We tell. I hit my kids. That's what people say all the time. You're damn right I hit my kids. Why, why do you hit them? Because they were doing a thing I didn't like at the moment. And so I hit them and guess what? They didn't do it after that. Well, that wouldn't be taking the fucking easy way out, would it? How about talking to them for a second, you fucking retard? Fucking ape? <laughs> well, I know it's the pain in the ass. Well, you fucked a woman and a fucking baby came out of her vagina. Now you be patient. <laughs> it's not their fault. Well, I'm teaching them that you hit things. It's learning the world. You hit them, and he'll know. That I'm stronger than him. That it hurts when my hand hits his face. He'll know. We'll get some wisdom out of that. I'm raising him right. Damn it. He's right. He's always right about everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird impulse. The same thing happened when we discussed Adrian Peterson whipping his kid... And everybody, well, even Adrian Peterson came out, well, my dad hit me, and look. Yeah, look. And you turned into a guy who beats the shit out of your four-year-old son. Well, it's also that meme that, that you see all the time where it's it says, 
my parents taught me about self-respect with a little thing I like to call spanking or the paddle or something like they paddled my ass and now I respect adults or something. Really? That's (laughs) what, that's what made you respect adults. It's because there's plenty of people that didn't have their ass beat when they were kids and they respect adults. Absolutely. So I don't think that that's what was motivating you. So there's two sides to this. One is this, this compulsion that people have to justify hitting children, innocent, not developed fully children. And then the other side of this is obviously the cop who didn't do his job. And by evidence that he didn't do his job is the fact that they fucking fired him. His own police department with union representation shit canned him because he didn't do the right thing. So I know you wanted to read a little bit from this article that's been going around. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And this will be the only time ever in the history of the show that we read something from madworldnews.com. <laughs> okay. Well, if only just to, to to have it be evidence that it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's some woman wrote this thing. I don't even know if I should call it a column because I don't know what this mad world news thing is, but... So I'll just skip down a couple of paragraphs. We are raising a generation of entitled brats. Oh, Jesus. Who think they are above all authority and the law. What are we teaching children, quote unquote, and young adults when a 17 or eight year old, she was 16, can disrupt a class, ignore three adult authority figures and strike an officer and the officer gets fired for handling the situation? First of all, is she implying that this 16 year old child was entitled. She's entitled. An entitled brat, I believe. Is yeah, what. she's an entitled brat who just lost her mother and is now in foster care. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Grow some empathy. You, you maniac. She continues, if you are applauding the termination of Officer Fields and defending that brat... Go ahead and pat yourself on the back. It's this mindset that's breeding disrespectful punks and causing them to get shot. Stop making can you kids... Hear, can you hear me? Yes. That's me patting myself on the back. We got that. <laughs> Stop making kids think they're above the law and authority. You're not doing them or society any favors. How about we try to teach cops that they're not above the law and they're not the ultimate authority? How about that? You know, this is, this is something we talk about all the time because... I don't think I've ever seen a police car use their signal when making a lane change. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I have never seen that. I'm not kidding. I've never seen that happen. In California especially, it's terrible. And on the freeway, the cops drive the craziest. Yeah. It's not... The most recklessly. Yeah, it's it's not the regular people. It is the police that terrify me sometimes. Weaving in and out of lanes, not using the signal, going like 90 miles an hour. Yeah, no good. Do you want me to read more? Uh, Let's do. And before anyone says, what if this was your daughter? I'd like to think my kid wouldn't disrupt the class, ignore three authority figures, and strike a police officer. If she did, she should expect a similar reaction, and even worse, when mama gets a hold of her. Mm. Don't act like a badass if you're nothing more than a quote-unquote child. Why is, I, what's with the quote-unquote child? Because all these people that are defending the cop are trying to make her out to be an adult. I've seen many people say she's 18 years old. She's and, 16, barely. And in this article, she says a 17 or 18 year old. So she's trying to right. move it closer in, into the adult range. It just Facts don't matter to these people. 
it is it's d- alarming. Well, again, it's going to be even worse when Mama gets a hold of her. I don't like this language. I don't like this right. this threat of oh, if my child's misbehaving, I'm going to beat them. Right. This is a very disturbing way H- to talk. How do I teach my child to not hit someone? Oh, I know. I'll hit them. <laughs> right, and you know what? I can guarantee that. This whole, if it was my daughter, I'd like to think she wouldn't be doing this. If this was your daughter on this tape and you saw a cop doing this to your kid... You would become unhinged and want to murder that cop. It's not going to matter what your kid did when someone is throwing your child across the room. Flipping them out of their desk and harming them. I mean, at least I would hope it wouldn't matter, but who knows? But when they mama gets, when you get home, your mama... Maniac. Maniac. And... Esteemed blogger at Mad World News. <laughs> well, should we should we give her name so that she has a little bit? Yeah, of... sure. Christy Lee Parker. Christy with a Y. Christy C H R I S T Y. Lee Parker. Lee Parker. All right. Well, there you go. Let's move on. Support for I doubt it with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdolomore. So once again... We want to thank Marcus, our latest Patreon supporter, and also remind you that we have two... Ugh, goddamn. (laughs) Don't say it. I'm a lazy turd, (laughs) and this is bad news for me. We have two debates coming up very, very soon. We have the Republican debate, the the fourth Republican debate coming up (laughs) on the 10th of October. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the 10th of November. Mm -hmm. It's November now. Yeah, it is November. And then on the 14th, only four days later, we have the second Democratic debate. So that is right, everybody. That's going to be four episodes in one week. Yes. And these two debates are going to be Patreon only. Yes. So if you too would like to get in on the action and have access to those as soon as they're released, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore and listen for only... Like a quarter an episode. That's $2 a month. <laughs> that's that's like a third of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Aren't they like $12 now? Aren't yeah. they 8 or $10 now per cup? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Seriously, $2 a month. And you'll have access to all of the bonus content that we are going to be pr- producing and putting out. And there's going to be a whole lot more to come. We're going to have a new round of stickers printed. I'm thinking about t-shirts, maybe some mugs. I'm tossing around some ideas. I think people think to themselves, oh, I can't do 25 cents because that seems so insignificant. But 25 cents an episode is not insignificant to us. And anything that our listeners give is so helpful in keeping us energized to do four episodes in one week. Yeah, it's a little, uh, <laughs> goddamn. So the, uh, and then the other thing is I am going to, to drop, I have the, the sticker reward at like the dollar level and that's fucking dumb. I just, I haphazardly put the page together when yep. I, when I organize the Patreon thing and I'm going to lower that down to the 25, 50 cent level. So, and if, if you are a 25 to 50 cent 
supporter, email idoubtedadolamore.com and I will email your address or update your information in Patreon and we will get those stickers out because they're they're awesome and we like the free advertising and you know interacting with our listeners. Well, we like also when we send out these stickers, we like to see where you put them. And we've had people send in pictures on either Twitter or Facebook and show us where they put the stickers. Yeah, and like it's on, always fun to see. On like hard hats, their work hard hats and coffee mugs and mm-hmm. briefcases. On the back of their personal golf cart mm-hmm. as a bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. Help us out and join us moving the conversation forward on these debate episodes. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. A lot going on this week. Senator Fred Thompson is dead at age 73. I have some sad news to bring you this Sunday evening. Former U.S. Senator and Republican presidential candidate, also actor, Fred Thompson, has passed away. You know that face. You know that smile very well. According to a statement from his family, he died today after a battle with lymphoma. His family said it is with a heavy heart and a deep sense of grief that we share the passing of our brother, husband, father, and grandfather, who died peacefully in Nashville, surrounded by his family. He enjoyed a hearty laugh, a strong handshake, a good cigar, and a healthy dose of humility. Fred was the same man on the floor of the Senate, the movie studio, or the town square of Lawrenceburg, his home. And while younger generations know Thompson for his role in Law & Order, his political career spanned decades. As an attorney, he helped lead the Watergate investigation, leading to the resignation of Richard Nixon. He then served as a U.S. Senator from Tennessee for eight years. You'll recall in 2008, he ran for president, coming in third in Iowa. He eventually dropped out. In his book, he said it was the first time ever he couldn't accomplish something that he set out to do. I I wanted to play this and... and talk a little bit. I don't have much experience with with Fred Thompson, although I did work with him on Capitol Hill when I worked for the Senate. And he was one of those guys who was always kind, always happy, and was a commanding presence. I've talked on the show before that there have been, there were lots of guys that when I got to Capitol Hill, I really admired walking in and then realized they were assholes. And he wasn't one of those guys. Mm Mm-hmm. He was a very nice, very friendly, a decent man. It's a bummer when I the mean, good ones go. Yeah, for sure. You, you may disagree with his politics, but he wasn't a hateful asshole. Mm-hmm. Fred Thompson was a decent human being. Mm-hmm. So sad for his family. I hope that they, they find peace. So let's move on into some more political news, more akin to what we do. Jeb Bush is not looking good, and I'm not the only one who is noticing. It's been a really tough week for Jeb Bush. Uh, Marco Rubio, I think even he admits now, got the better of him in the debate last week, uh, this past week. Uh, On Friday, we learned that a very prominent billionaire who can raise a lot of money Mm. uh, went and backed Marco Rubio. I spoke with Bush right after the CNBC debate. Here's what he said. A friend of mine, Anna Navarro, uh, just said on our air that she's feeling glum tonight. 
because of the performance uh, that you had and the, and the performance, performance that Marco. How do you, President of the United States. How do you win them I'm back? I'm running for President of the United States. I'm running with heart. I'm not a performer. If they're looking for an entertainer in chief, I'm probably not the guy. This is the, Yikes. This is the second time he said something like this. Uh-huh. And it shows that he's he's been knocked off kilter. He's not he's not in good headspace. He's this is the second time I've heard him say something similar to this like, well then if if you want a guy like that, then don't vote for me cuz I'm going to be hubba duh. Or yeah. this, I'm not the performer in chief. I'm going to be the commander in chief. Mm-hmm. Why don't you calm it down there, <laughs> dickhole? Angry guy. Is that the persona you want right now? He does seem a bit hostile. Yeah. Quite often. I mean, she's asking an earnest question. Mm-hmm. And he's just, it's a its a flippant dickhead thing to say <laughs> back. I, I don't know. I, I think he his, his, his days may be numbered. I don't know if he's going to be able to maintain enough support to get through to a point where the the Carsons and the Trumps fall away and they drop out of the race. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you kind of do need to be entertaining. You need to be likable. This is a popularity contest. You need to be likable well, to the masses. You need to be likable for the fact that, yeah, I like that guy. I'll vote for him. Yes. And I like his policies. Yes. But you're not going to vote for it. Like, Ugh, that guy's a real asshole. But I really agree with his policies. I'll vote for him. That that doesn't happen. You're a politician. You're a public figure. Right. And I guess entertaining means different things to different people. So when I say you need to be entertaining, I'm not saying you need to be entertaining like Donald Trump is entertaining. There's right. different types of entertaining. It's, it's not. Right. No. Or you're juggling. and you know. Yeah. I just mean being able to stand out on the stage. And when Jeb Bush is up there, he doesn't stand out. No, there's no commanding presence at all. No. He really, he needs to sit down with his brother for, for a day or two. And you may not like George Bush. And I'm I'm embarrassed that I voted for him the second time. But let me tell you, he's an affable guy. He's a friendly, you know, he's a character. It's George Bush. Anytime anyone questions whether or not Jeb Bush is likable, he should just have the clip of him on Jimmy Fallon ready to go on his phone and play that for him. Or whoever's asking and say, listen, I, I can be likable. I was likable on this show. So it happens sometimes. <laughs> and just have proof of that video when right. he's talking about the guacamole in, and he's, you know, having ultra, a good time. In an ultra scripted way. If it's scripted, I can be super, <laughs> super funny. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, another, just talk about another no personality, no energy uh, ben Carson is now whining about the debate and the format and the questions. Oh, and boo. Yeah, he, it's really sad. I, I really feel for him. In just a few hours, advisors for multiple GOP presidential candidates are meeting in Alexandria, Virginia, to talk about how they can get more control over the Republican debates. This after several candidates have been publicly complaining about last Wednesday's debate on CNBC. Ben Carson has been one of the most vocal candidates pushing for change. I would like to see, you know, tighter guidelines in terms of people uh, when they respond to questions. Uh, You know, some people just pretty much ignore what the time constraints are. Others are very careful to stay within them. And I think that creates inequality. We should have moderators who are interested 
in disseminating the information about the candidates as opposed to, uh, you know, gotcha, uh, you did this and well, you defend yourself on that. So he's being whiny. He's, I don't know what the gotcha, I don't know what that was all about. But <laughs> listen, defend yourself and what you think about this is a valid question. If you've done something stupid, if you've done something or said something questionable, that is a format with a wide-ranging audience because not everybody is a Fox News or a CNN junkie and watches this constantly and sees all of the things that you say. Most people, especially, you know, these, these debates have been getting crazy ratings. So... You're reaching an audience that you not you normally wouldn't, and I think that these moderators have a responsibility to ask those tough questions, so a lot of America who normally wouldn't get to see your answer, or your non-answer as it usually is. Right, well, and Ben Carson is apparently saying that there's a time and place to be asked challenging questions, but that the primary debate process... <laughs> Should be a place where you highlight the differences in philosophy in the crowded field. Does he say when the time is to ask the tough questions? Or just says... When oh, it's too late oh, to a, do anything different. There, there's a time and place for that, but not a debate when everyone's watching. Yeah. Well, let's do that another time. <laughs> yeah. Apparently idiot. that's how he feels. But, uh, you know, John Kasich said that he believed the questions were fair and he didn't have a problem with the right, debate. Right, right. So... Well, he also performed well. Let's be, you know, let's be fair about our analysis. Marco Rubio, although Marco Rubio, there, there was a time in the debate when, when they asked the question about, uh, do you think he has the moral? The question I had a problem with was the question he asked of Huckabee, do you think Trump has the moral authority, blah, 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 to lead? And you could hear and you could see Rubio say, are you kidding me? Like, he wasn't happy with that question. But overall, they did a good job. Well, on The View recently, which is a, an all-female chat show, they were talking about Carly Fiorina and her performance at the debate. Fiorina has the most speaking time, yeah. then followed by Rubio, Kasich, well, Trump. But one thing she said, that's the beauty of it. What did she say? What did she say? You know what Carly said, which really made three me laugh? Pages. She three kicked, pages. Three pages. She kicked off, I don't know what's happening. She <laughs> kicked off uh, her thing saying, <laughs> you know, people tell me that I didn't smile enough during the last debate. She looked demented. I mean, she did not, her mouth did not downturn one time. She was like, Halloween mask. I love that. Smiling Fiorina. Can you imagine? Demented is a strong word, but it looked like she She'd been practicing that for a long for time. Me. And she I did get some affirmation from Trump. She means demented. <laughs> I think as a comic, I have to stand up for the words we use. First of all, how in the fuck does anybody watch that show? <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, they talk over one another. It, It's terrible. It's a lot of people on one stage yeah, trying they're, to get they're their... All, they're all in the same room. Yes. They can see... <laughs> the other one's talking. Yeah, they can pick up on the body language and they should be able to understand when one person <laughs> wants to talk. Yes. It's, I, I don't know. Well, listen, I, not just the fact that they are running a terrible program over there, but they're attacking Carly Fiorina because of the way 
she looks. Right, her appearance. The same program that took Donald Trump to task for attacking the same woman that they're now attacking. For her appearance. For her appearance. Well, we're not the only ones who are bothered by this. And to celebrate this other person who took issue with this, we're going to have a little taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. Brooke Baldwin. Yeah. Brooke Baldwin is the lovely, intelligent, beautiful woman who works on CNN during the day. And she had some thoughts. Sometimes you got to call it like you see it. And I saw something today that angered me, not just as a journalist, but as a woman. The most speaking time, yeah. then followed by Rubio, Kasich, Trump. But one thing she, she said, that's the beauty of the What did she say? What did she say? You know what Carly said, which really made three me laugh? Three pages. She three pages. Three pages. She kicked off. I don't know what's happening. She <laughs> kicked off uh, her thing saying, <laughs> you know, people tell me that I didn't smile enough during the last debate. She looked demented. I mean, she did not. Her mouth did not downturn one time. She was like. Halloween mask. I love that. A smiling Fiorina. Can you imagine? Give you nightmares. Demented is a strong word, but it looked like she'd been practicing that for a long for time me. and she I did get the as a comic, she Trump. means demented <laughs> i think as a comic i have to stand up for the words we use demented her face could be a halloween mask listen i love the view i have been a long time whoopee fan i think joy behar is one of the funniest people on tv but ladies come on double standard much First, people jump on Trump for his comments in Rolling Stone about Fury in his face. He followed up at the debate saying she was beautiful, which, by the way, a lot of ladies didn't like either. Why do we have to talk about her looks? Because she's a woman. All this yapping about women and appearance. And then the view today, all I'm saying is we women can be the worst to one another. We say, don't talk about their looks. Look what happens. I know these ladies on The View get called out too, so do I. I get it. This is part of the job that we all signed up for, but still, we can do better than that. And how do I know this? How do I know I'm not alone? Just to follow up on that, let, let, now don't hang up when I do this, because you talked about Carla Fiorina in Rolling Stone magazine, and you said, look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? Can you imagine that, the face of our next president? Are you making fun of her looks, Donald? Because I know you no, don't no, like no, it. No, I'm talking about the persona. I'm talking about her persona. She failed miserably at Hewlett Packard. She failed it at Lucent. She was before that. She was at Lucent. She then ran for the Senate. She lost in a landslide. Right. Now she's running for president. I'm talking about her persona. Well, then why don't she you talk about her brain instead of her face? Amen. So I found that very powerful. Well, I love that she uses that last clip that they played, mm -hmm. that she played, mm -hmm. was from the last time that they, the view had Donald Trump on to grill him about what he said about Fiorina's looks. Right. And so she's using their own words against them mm -hmm. because they're, they're being fucking hypocrites. They take Donald Trump to task for doing what only weeks later they'd fucking do themselves. Yeah. It's very disturbing. And, I think that the women on The View, you know, like Brooke said, all these people that are in the public eye, they have a lot of S talk that gets directed at them. 
Sure, yeah. Especially about their looks. I mean, any woman who's on TV, even Brooke Baldwin, I see comments on her her Facebook page and, you know, men will comment these things saying, oh, hey, Brooke, not looking too good today. Right. Well, or, it's not just men, though. Or, well, yeah, women as well. Whoever. And they're, they're saying, oh, you're not, you're not looking too good today or whatever. I don't like your outfit that you're wearing. And, uh, and such superficial comments. Right. And The View turns around and, and does it to Carly Fiorina. Yeah. It's just not productive and it doesn't matter. And it's kind of hateful. It's a weird thing. It kind of goes in line with what we talked about a few, a couple episodes ago about the Cosmo magazine and the crazy shit that they, that they write. And it kind of raises up a generation of women to be interested in superficial, nonsensical, irrelevant bullshit. There's an article... Is it an article? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. In The Guardian. In The Guardian. And it, uh, it's, in, it's titled, A List of Things I Wish Women's Magazines Would Publish. Yes. The article is written by Sophia Benoit. And it is titled... Wait, did you already say what the title is? Yes. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's pretty long. But I'm going to read some bits from it that I found particularly funny. Yeah, a list of things I wish women's magazines would publish. And if you haven't read a lot of women's magazines, you might be out of the loop on a couple of these, but hopefully it'll be easy for you to just understand what's happening. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, if you've ever stood in line in a, at a grocery store, you've seen some of these stupid headlines. Go ahead. No one gives a damn if you have a signature cocktail at your party. <laughs> Literally no one. Buy seven more bottles of wine and don't worry about it. That is good advice. Yeah, I thought it was funny because there are these weird articles where it's like, find your, take this quiz and discover your signature drink or whatever. <laughs> take this quiz. Forget about burpees. I know, I know. We need more activity, not less. Get out on the dance floor. Walk back and forth in front of your ex's house. Squat over public toilets. Those all count. <laughs> you, well, you must get a lot of a lot of uh, workouts in squatting and hovering since you're a germaphobe. Yeah. A story about a celebrity that doesn't have a stunning millionaire woman telling us to love ourselves. I know Cameron Diaz wants me to embrace my body. She wrote a whole book about it, for heaven's sakes. But she also married a man from Good Charlotte who now has a skull tattoo. I don't really feel like she's the authority on self-love. <laughs> or you could insert Gwyneth Paltrow. Or you could insert any other celebrity who has now a blog about self-love and self-worth and selling you $800 diaper bags. Mm -hmm. No more easy hairstyle ideas. Look, we are all trying to figure out how not to look like our hair is just a pile of garbage that got caught in a <laughs> salad spinner. <laughs> but vague four-step directions that apparently lead to a messy fishtail braid are not the answer. Everyone's hair is too different anyway. And I really love this because... For someone who can't do their hair all fancy, you know, I just, I like never practice that. Um, there's these articles where it's like, learn how to do this in like three steps. And no, no one can do that unless they've been trained to do it. You can't just read this and do it. Right. I wish women's magazines would get a new set of body types. It's usually boyish, apple, pear, or curvy, none of which fit me. And why fruit? Let's get some real body types out there like, I want to hide my arms, or help me disguise my flat ass, or I don't want to suck it in all day. What should I wear? <laughs> um, ways to blow your own mind in bed. Oh, yeah. See, that's a good one. 
This is one of my favorites. Who fucking cares what boys think about rompers? Wear one on your first date. Wear one on every date until you die. Make your wedding dress a romper. Get him to wear rompers. Who cares what boys think about clothes? Oh, that is good. Right? Because they're always trying to dictate what you wear on this date and w- dictate what you wear then and tomorrow. I and- don't know a lot of dudes that that care about that kind of shit. Yeah, who who cares? Like, even, like, the makeup thing. Like, you'll... We've talked about, like, someone who does their makeup this way or that way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, should I do that? And I'm I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't notice that shit at all. I don't notice hairstyles. Unless you're Sinead O'Connor or you've got a fucking mohawk. <laughs> I don't notice how you do your hair. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> I just don't. That's true. And I think normal guys, regular guys, it's normative behavior... For them not to fucking notice because it's not on their radar. Okay. For that matter, book suggestions that aren't beach reads. Also, stop calling everything that has to do with women a beach read. <laughs> well, what about people who don't live on the fucking coast? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it is weird. Who don't have a beach. Yeah, I know. That's the weird thing about always calling it a beach read. Okay, here's the, here's the last one I'll read. By the way, this is kind of pertaining to what we talked about last time we talked about Cosmo. By the way, no more sex move articles. Seriously, there's just four of them anyway. There's missionary when you're boring, girl on top when you're trying to enjoy sex, doggy style when you don't want to face your mistakes, and variations of the above for when you're trying to be a fun person. (laughs) A fun person. Fun and person were capitalized. Right. All right, well, listen, in the spirit of this... This is kind of, you know, related because it has to do with the ladies and it has to do with teaching the up and coming, what will be adult women, how to love themselves, how to not be self-conscious about things that don't fucking matter. There's another article, how to talk to your daughter about her body. Yes. Step one, don't talk to your daughter about her body. (laughs) (laughs) It says, except to teach her how it works. Don't say anything if she's lost weight. Don't say anything if she's gained weight. If you think your daughter's body looks amazing, don't say that. Here are some things you can say instead. You look so healthy. You're looking so strong. I can see how happy you are. You're glowing. Better yet, compliment her on something that has nothing to do with her body. Don't comment on other women's bodies either. Nope, not a single comment. Not a nice one or a mean one. Teach her about kindness towards others, but also kindness towards herself. So it goes on, but I like that. No, it's... I like what, what about the one where she says, don't even talk about your own body. Oh, right, no right, right. fucking body talk. Don't you dare talk about how much you hate your body in front of your daughter or talk about your new diet. In fact, don't go on a diet in front of your daughter. Buy healthy food, cook healthy meals, but don't say, I'm not eating carbs right now. Your daughter should never think that carbs are evil because shame over what you eat only leads to shame about yourself. Awesome. Yeah. Who wrote this? They fucking need credit. Um... I'm not sure it was a Facebook post on Fit Freaks. Hmm. I don't. That's a web uh, page on Facebook. There's no author name attached to it, but it, it, it's a little bit longer than this. But I just thought it was such a powerful message and such an important thing. And it's hard when you're in a society that is so driven by appearances to not look at other people and be envious. 
but as a way of influencing younger generations to have a more healthy attitude toward their bodies. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is really important. So I do too. All I do, I do, I do. <laughs> I, I do it's too. It's all part of moving the conversation forward and making a healthier, more well-adjusted group of people. Love yourself because you're worth it. You're you're fine just the way you are. God damn. You know, I'm I'm an overweight guy. I I really could stand to lose a few pounds. But you know what? I don't fucking care. I'm a happy guy. I have friends who love me. I have I have things that make me worth more than my few extra pounds hanging around my stomach. Plus, food's real good. And food is real good. <laughs> <laughs> I love some snacks. Oh, yeah. And some sweet treats. Real good. All right. <laughs> so to wrap all of this up, President Obama, it's kind of been a woman theme this episode. A lot of it. Yeah, well, we At don't... At least we don't, democracy out. We don't do that very often, so people are probably not um, hating it right now. I don't really care if they do hate it. It's important shit. <laughs> and they should join us in being appreciative and aware of important shit. <laughs> Obama gave a speech because the women's national soccer team... Correct me if I'm wrong on that, because I don't fucking care about soccer at all. So it's not that I don't care about women's soccer. It's I don't care about soccer, any soccer. Who uh, who were they? Yeah, the, the World Cup winning U.S. women's national soccer team All was right. honored at the White House. And he gave a speech that I'm sure he's going to be criticized by conservatives for using that's not presidential language. But here's what he said. Uh, this team taught all America's children that playing like a girl means you're a badass. And perhaps I shouldn't have used that phrase. <laughs> Playing like a girl means being the best. It means drawing the largest TV audience for a soccer match, men or women's, in American history. It means wearing our nation's crest on your jersey, taking yourself and your country to the top of the world. That's what American women do. That's what American girls do. That's why we celebrate this team. Uh, they've done it with class. They've done it with the right way. Uh, they've done it with excitement. They've done it with style. We are very, very proud of them. So once again, on behalf of all Americans, congratulations. We couldn't be prouder of you. Let's go bring home the gold in Rio. Thank you. So I just get a giant smile on my face after he says badass. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just is so normal. He, let me tell you something. I, I have not been a fan of Obama for about six or seven years. But lame duck Obama, I've, I'm coming around on him. He, I think, is a genuine guy. I've always thought he was genuine. But he's... This guy who's throwing caution to the wind and just fucking being, I like. It's it's good. It's it's refreshing. Yeah. Well, it's just weird that people would criticize him for talking like this when, I'm sorry, is is everyone who's criticizing him saying that they've never used the phrase badass? Well, Relax. Ev everybody who would be cons 
criticizing him isn't the president of the United States. It's a valid criticism. I'm not saying it's completely unwarranted, but it doesn't bother me. Hmm. I think, you know, it's valid. It's okay. I, I don't think they're just attacking him. Some of them probably. I don't think it's valid. Eh, well, somebody's got to be right. And somebody's got to be wrong. So <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, Brittany. <laughs> oh, how dare you? How dare you, sir? All right. Well, listen, I'm glad he is he's standing up boldly proclaiming that it's okay to, to, to play soccer like a girl and be athletic like a girl because that just means you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fucking winning. You're a champion. It's awesome. More politicians need to talk like that. More politicians need to, to be heard by young kids talking about how you are awesome. You are a champion and not just to the boys. It's important. We need to raise up winners, girls and boys alike. All right. I will get down off of my soapbox and we will end this episode. I was going to say, that seemed like it was very cathartic for you. I was just letting you have a moment. I was kind of being silent over here, just letting you get it out. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of not giving participation trophies. Mm-hmm. If you lose, you lose. You need to take your lumps and have it motivate you to try harder next time to win the fucking trophy. That's for boys, that's for girls, that's for all of our children. We need to raise champions. All right. Well, with that, we are going to leave you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or as often as you do. We appreciate you very, very much. A little reminder before we go, Thanksgiving episode, we want your submissions for what you're thankful for. 657-464-7609, or better yet, because the audio is better, email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. You can also send in your promo submissions where you say who you are, where you're from, and how you never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. We love you. We appreciate every single one of you. And until next time, for Brittany Page... I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. That you are acting like a complete wussy 